Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? 415ers podcast, 95.7 The Game, Honestly Sports Podcast Network. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings. Um, coming to you live after the 49ers fall in the NFC Championship to the Philadelphia Eagles, 31-7. to Everyone listening has, has obviously seen the game, is obviously feeling some type of way. Uh, Mark, before we get into what we think about this football game, I got to ask you first, how do you feel? <sighs> Frustrated, uh, unfortunate. Uh, put Niners fandom aside, put away the fact that, you know, we wanted to see this incredibly talented team in the Super Bowl, Evan. You just feel like everyone, Niner fan, Eagle fan, any fan of football, anyone that was interested in this game got cheated out of a matchup everyone wanted to see all year long. Because uh, at the first drive the Niners have offensively, Brock Purdy goes down. He only comes back in that game with a, a right elbow injury. We don't really know the severity. Kyle Shanahan said post game they'll get an MRI done likely on Monday, and, and we'll, we'll know more then. He he only comes back in because they had no other options. Their fourth quarterback of the year, Josh Johnson, is ruled out with a concussion, a head injury. They have no one else to play quarterback. That's the only reason why Brock Purdy came in. But he couldn't throw the ball aside from short screen plays and throws to the flat to McCaffrey or whoever. Um, I feel like football fans got cheated out of a matchup everyone wanted to see all year long, Evan. And it's unfortunate that it had to go this way. It's unfortunate that all these injuries had to happen. It's unfortunate how ugly it got at the end for both teams. Um it's a tough one to swallow because this was a matchup I, I know you, and, and everyone else was so incredibly excited to watch, and we never got to see it. No, I think that's a good way to put it. Look, all seasons must come to an end except for one, but not like this. Like yeah. that's that's not what you want to see in a football season coming to its conclusion. I mean, this was supposed to be the heavyweight title fight. I I think whoever had won this game in this case, Philadelphia is going to go on to have a really good chance to win at the Super Bowl. I think the Niners would have had an equally good chance. And a lot of things in this game that will break down over the course of this episode, I think indicate that, but it's tough because even before the injury that of course changed the course of this game, Brock Purdy, I mean, the first defensive possession, Fred Warner gets hit with a stinger yeah. um, on, on the punt. Nick Bosa gets hit by friendly fire and, and nearly gets injured. I know both of those players came in, but it's just like those type of, of omens are now the ones that are stuck in my mind, especially when the game was effectively over at the seven-minute mark of the first quarter when Brock Purdy got hurt. And, and look, I know that the 49ers have gone through two starting quarterbacks before, and I know that Josh Johnson... Look, there's a reason why he wasn't on a roster up until the last part of the season. The 49ers were, in Kyle Shanahan's words, dealt a bad hand. I would argue they were dealt the worst hand. That doesn't mean they were going to win this football game, Mark. But after those things happened, they had no chance to win this football game. No matter how you want to slice it, I don't know there were some things that we'll, we'll dig into throughout this, this game, but just on face value, the opportunity to win by no fault of their own, and honestly, by no fault of Philadelphia, was taken away because of injuries, along with penalties compounding, and just overall mistakes that prevented the 49ers from having a chance to win. 
Yeah, the fact that they got this game back to tie, Devin, 7-7 after a superhuman Christian McCaffrey touchdown run in the second quarter, the fact that it was 7-7, the fact that the Eagles were facing third downs, the fact that the Niners had quieted the crowd, there was an, an, an eerie feeling going around Lincoln Financial Field, Evan. You could feel it even through the television broadcast. Eagle fans were worried. They're Brock Purdy isn't even playing. The Niners are on their fourth string quarterback, yet this game is tied and the Niners defense is flying around. The fact that you even got to that point. Now, of course, everything went downhill from there. There were three penalties on that drive, one on a third and seven, one on a second and ten, another on a second and nine. That ultimately helped the Eagles get into the end zone, and that was the beginning of the end for the 49ers. But Evan, the fact that the Niners even got that game back to tied and quieted that crowd and kind of created that, um, I don't know, nervous energy in Philadelphia, incredible considering everything you're saying. The team is on their fourth quarterback of the season from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, a seventh round rookie who seemed like the savior all the way to Josh Johnson, a journeyman who in over a decade in the NFL, hadn't taken a single snap in the postseason until the 2023 NFC title game. Evan, the fact that the Niners convinced people that they were in this game for at least a half a football or almost a half a football is remarkable, considering everything they were dealing with. Um, and it, it's just a shame it had to play out the way it did because, uh, I mean, I, Evan, I'm leaving this game. The same way I went into it. I'm not sure if the Eagles are the better team than the 49ers. Certainly, they were the better team today when you consider the injuries and everything that happened. But if you could do a redo, start this game from the beginning again, uh, I wouldn't know who would win. I mean, that, that's the same way I went into this game. Not sure. These are the two top teams in the NFC. I don't know who's better, and I still, frankly, don't know which team is better. I think we saw something that in me, in, in my eyes, like I... I the Philadelphia Eagles did what the 49ers have done to each of their last 12 opponents, which is when the opposing team has given the 49ers an inch, they have taken a mile. Now, today, Philadelphia was given several inches by the 49ers. And to their credit, they took more than a mile. I mean, by the end of the game, it, I didn't want to watch it. it. It was a joke because not only do does Brock Purdy get hurt, but then Josh Johnson gets concussed the first drive of the second half, yep. and you got to go back to your quarterback who can't throw. So you're essentially like people were talking about, oh, you should have put Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Juszczyk should have gone and tried to throw the ball. It's like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> it's I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, <sighs> if, if you want to talk about people to blame, maybe – you know, Kyle Shanahan not choosing to challenge the Devontae Smith fourth and three catch on the first drive of the game. Maybe. I know his explanation after the game was they didn't really get a definitive look on the video scoreboard because, of course, why is the home field going to show an angle that shows their guy dropping the ball? And if that and if you have six seconds to throw the challenge fly because credit to the Eagles, they got to the line and ran a play, then maybe it's that. You know, may, maybe it's it, it's setting up uh, a, a situation where Tyler Croft has a one-on-one -on -one block with Hassan Reddick, and, and that turns into the fumble. But those are two. If you're telling me the game was lost in two plays, I, I look. I, I'm I'm sorry. Like I, I don't know if that's enough for me to to blame anyone in this situation. If you have to lay blame at someone's feet, I guess it's the head coach because who else are you going to blame in a game where everything seems to go wrong? But I'm I'm not one to look at anyone in this game, Mark aside from the situation that unfolded saying when you lose your starting quarterback in, in most situations, this is what happens. So what I take away from, from watching that football game is God damn, the 49ers really got to this point after losing two starting quarterbacks. Like that is incredible. The way that Josh Johnson played, he wasn't great. He wasn't given a fair shake. But that, in most situations, is what is supposed to happen when your starting quarterback gets hurt on the first drive of a football game, not what Brock Purdy had been doing each of the past eight games. That's where my mind went after seeing everything unfold. It's incredible, Evan. The 49ers simultaneously this season have had the best quarterback depth in the NFL, bar none. 
I mean, they're on their third string quarterback and hadn't lost with him and are all the way in the NFC championship game. Yet because of injury after injury after injury, the main reason that their season didn't end with a Super Bowl is because they didn't have enough quarterback depth, even though they had the most quarterback depth in the entire league. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, they were fine with all three of those guys. I mean, you can make a case maybe they weren't okay with Trey Lance. We didn't really know for sure, but they were certainly okay in playing good enough football with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. But that was as far as they could go. And I think you're right. This, The way that this all played out, Evan, um, it makes you appreciate what had happened up to this point. And I know we, I mean, we spent, we've been spending months talking about Brock Purdy and how incredible this is. He's a Mr. Irrelevant seventh round rookie quarterback who's making it look easy. Like we know, and, and we haven't been shying away from the fact that this is incredible and really, really hard to believe. But the way that this all played out, you just get the sense that this dream run was going to have to come to a close at some point, And it, it was an, an injury that doomed it. Um, but you're right. This is what it's supposed to look like when your starting quarterback goes out. The Niners, you know, flipped that script twice, first to Jimmy Garoppolo and then to Barack Purdy. They could not flip the script a third time. They could not pull the rabbit out of a hat a third time. Uh, their luck simply ran out and they haven't had a ton of luck because of all the injuries, but, but it did run out. Uh, and it's unfortunate because it, it looked like this was going to be a season uh, that you'd remember for all the right reasons, uh, but you're going to remember it for all the wrong reasons now because of another injury to a quarterback. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like, I, I don't know if, if any loss is created equal, but there, there was some part of me that, that felt like, look, last year's NFC title title game loss was, was more crushing. And because is this one, it didn't feel like there was much of a chance at all. And and sure, you know, p- people want to kill the referees and the officials for, you know, maybe not catching this or not catching that. The 49ers also did not do themselves any favors. No. I mean, the, the I thought the defense on face value played well today, but in spots where you need to be disciplined in spots where you cannot give, again, an inch to the other team that may or may not be better than you, but is certainly on the same level as you. They made too many mistakes today to overcome. And especially when you lose your starting quarterback, that's not like giving up six first downs via penalties is not going to win you a football game. Maybe even if you have your starting quarterback, nevertheless, if you lose one on the first drive of the football game. So as much as, you know, I, I I do not want to come down anyone's road because I, I think it's just it was an unfortunate set of events. What, what transpired today in Philadelphia, the 49ers, like you mentioned, did tie this football game. And in the first 28 minutes of the first half, I thought they played great football considering what had happened to them. And that completely unraveled in the final two minutes of the first half in which Philadelphia used to create a 21-17 halftime lead and essentially roll the rest of the way. I mean, that's where the game didn't change for me, but that's where the nail in the coffin came. Well, yeah, so the Niners score the Christian McCaffrey touchdown run. Suddenly the Niners have life, and again, it created that energy around the link. 7-7 ball game. It felt a lot like Green Bay last year, where the Packers go down and drive, they get the first score, and then suddenly they just go stagnant because the 49ers defense was playing so well. You're absolutely right. It did feel like that. It was the same same thought that I had. So after that Christian McCaffrey score, it's 7-7. Philadelphia gets the ball back. Uh, with what almost eight minutes left in the second quarter, and they go down on a 14 play, 75 yard drive, capped by a Miles Sanders 13 yard touchdown run, but aided by three huge penalties on that drive. All that resulted in first downs the first, a third, and seven. And this was kind of the, the peak nervous energy inside of the link. 7-7, seven, seven, the Niners defense gets two stops on first and second down, facing a third and seven. Pass over the middle, incomplete, almost intercepted, but called back because of a defensive pass interference on Jimmy Ward against A.J. Brown. Niner fans, I know, were upset about that call, but it was the right call. A penalty on Jimmy Ward, automatic first down. Second and 10 then, illegal use of hands, hands to the face, 
on defensive lineman T.Y. McGill. That was as clear as day had his hands on the face mask of the offensive lineman for what, like five, six, seven seconds. It was an easy call. First down. Then second and nine, illegal contact on Mooney Ward. That one was probably the the least egregious of all three, but still, by the letter of the law, a right call, a first down, ultimately ends in a touchdown. So suddenly it's 14-7. You're the 49ers. You think, okay, just go into halftime, down by seven. We trust our defense. They're going to come out and play well in the second half, and maybe we could find a way to manufacture another touchdown drive. Maybe we get a field goal here or there. Maybe we get some help on special teams, and who knows what could happen. But then everything flipped. Niners had a nice play on their first play after that Miles Sanders Sanders touchdown, a a, a pass to Debo Samuel. They get a first down, they move the chains, and suddenly you're thinking, all right, maybe they can go down and get a field goal and trail by only four points at half. Next snap, Josh Johnson out of the shotgun, takes his eyes off the ball, drops it, fumbles it, doesn't really make much of an effort to fall on the ball, ultimately recovered by the Eagles and Hassan Reddick, who was everywhere in this game, and then they ultimately turn it into another touchdown just before the half. This one, a Boston Scott 10-yard touchdown, and suddenly it's 21-7. to And at that point, Evan, the game's over. The game's over at that point. You get down by 14 late in the first half. Suddenly the crowd is back in it. They know that they are inches away from winning this thing. You have a fourth-string quarterback essentially in. Your defense is getting frustrated with these penalties. The game's over right there. The Niners could not come back from that tough final two minutes, essentially, of the first half. Well, and the tail end of that is Philadelphia, yeah, they got the fumble. But I was confused as to what they were doing, trying to run clock with multiple timeouts and the ball under a minute left. Boston Scott on a second and five takes near the sideline and Drake Greenlaw inexplicably grabs his face mask that moves the Eagles to the 10 yard line. And then instead of thinking, all right, well, we got him behind the sticks, a chance to force on a third down, a potential, you know, field goal. I know we didn't play well to end the half, but at least you take some momentum in the locker room with a stand next play, Boston Scott into the end zone. And then you're looking up and it's 21 seven and it's, it's curtains. I mean, so like you mentioned, Mark, everything that could have went wrong in the final two minutes did, and it took away what I thought was a very well-played first half from the 49ers, considering the issues that surrounded that that they really couldn't control. So th- that's, to me, where, where the game was won and lost, and unfortunately the second half was just more of the same. I know there was a couple of things that we can get into, but I'm totally with you that everything changed in that, that final two-minute span for the 49ers. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you as always by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, follow him on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. I'm on social at egiddings10. Um, okay, so I, I do, before we <laughs> come down some people's road, Mark, I do want to mention that I did think the defense played well today. And, and we discussed some of it. But, I mean, just looking at the numbers, I know the second half changes a little bit of the equation. But the Philadelphia Eagles in this game only had 270 yards as an offense. They had 250 yards on the ground in the divisional round game. Like the Niners, even though, yes, they gave up 31 points, it's because of some of those mistakes and turnovers that we mentioned, Mark. The defense as a whole, I thought, was flying to the football. And we're talking about Philadelphia as a team that was number one on offense in just about every statistical statistical category that counts, the 49ers defense came to play today and they limited the Eagles to five for 15 on third down. I know that they converted all four or pardon me, all three of their third downs, but really in between the twenties, Mark, I thought this defense for the 49ers stood up to the task. The issue is that they just kept getting dealt these bad hands and that resulted in Philadelphia capitalizing in the red zone. 31 points doesn't tell the whole story in my eyes when it comes to how the defense as a whole played today. I'm with you. I thought the defense was 
phenomenal for most of the first half. The 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 penalties at the end of the first half changed things, as I just said, and, and then you could yeah. feel the frustration, and that bled into the second half. And the, the tempers flared at the very end of the game. Trent Williams was ejected. All of that started with those penalties at the end of the first half. But I'm with you. Other than those penalties, and uh, Dre Greenlaw had a couple of bad, questionable ones. He might have had his worst game of the year. Um, but I'm with you. Generally speaking, Evan, I thought the defense was really good. We heard a lot all week about how this Eagles offensive line is the best in football. And, hey, they probably are. I mean, they have all pros and pro bowlers everywhere, future Hall of Famers, maybe two of them on that offensive line. They're really, really, really good. The Niners dominated the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball, the Eagles offensive side of the ball in the first half. Nick Bosa was in the backfield all the time. I mean, uh, Eric Armstead had pressure through the middle a handful of times. They didn't get to... Jalen Hurts early in the game, Evan, in that first half. But how often did he have a clean pocket to throw? Almost never. The Niners were on him often and made it uncomfortable for him. And that's a big reason why there was legitimate concern among the Eagle fans in Philadelphia late in the first half when it was a 7-7 ball game, even when it was 14-7 before that Josh Johnson fumble. So I'm with you. The, The defense, I thought, take away some of the, the terrible penalties. And a lot of that was just once the game was over in the second half, take that away. The Niners defense was really good. I mean, look at the four touchdowns that the Eagles scored, Evan. The first came directly after a fourth and three conversion, which really wasn't a conversion. Again, you can, you can blame Kyle Shanahan for not throwing the challenge flag if you want, but the point is the defense. I thought it was a catch. I looking at the, the, the final at, at first, that at they first, showed. At yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I at first thought it was a catch as well, but it looked like that. I think it was Jimmy Ward might have been might have been Mooney Ward that got his hand in there and, and kind of poked the ball free. But ultimately, the Niners defense should have gotten a stop there. They actually did get a stop. The ball hit the ground. And it should have been incomplete. That led to one touchdown. The other touchdown was what I was just talking about. Those three costly penalties that created first downs and fresh sets of downs for the Eagles ultimately led to a touchdown. The third touchdown was after the Josh Johnson fumble that led to the Boston Scott touchdown at the end of the first half. And then in the second half, the only touchdown for the Eagles was after a questionable roughing the kicker call. It was a weird one. Jordan Mason looked like he beat his man. And then it was Jake Stoll, the second string tight end for the Eagles, looked like might have been holding Jordan Mason. And ultimately, Mason doesn't get his hands on the ball and and hits into the kicking leg of of the punter. I'm not going to argue the rule book here. It seemed like a little bit of a ticky-tack call. I thought Stoll was holding Mason back anyway, so maybe it should have been a repunt. But the fact is, a roughing the kicker, roughing the punter penalty extended that drive and led to a touchdown. So the four touchdown drives, Evan, there were certainly mistakes by the defense involved in those drives. But if you just take out one mistake here, one mistake there on each of those drives, they don't end in scores. I thought the defense played much better than those 31 points suggest. I know that's a lot of ifs that I'm talking about, but I, I do agree with you. I think the final score doesn't quite show how well this defense played, at least for most of the first half. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I also think, look, it, to me, it wasn't a great day for officials but yeah, I think it was bad. it was kind of both ways. Look, I, I maybe you could say that it it ended up favoring Philadelphia. Um, you know, obviously they they don't get the call on Devontae Smith uh, again, and it, it was Jimmy Ward who ripped that ball out. I, I I think that that that's a tough play to call in the midst in in the heat of battle. And again, I think Philadelphia did a good job of getting to the line of scrimmage, not giving time for anyone to realize what had happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devontae Smith immediately gets up and is saying, huddle, huddle, clock, like get this ball going. That, <laughs> if that's you're a Kyle, savvy play. And if you're Kyle Shanahan at that point, maybe you're like, okay, he thinks it's not a catch. But I mean, what he said, what he said after the game was, I was going to just throw the flag because why not? It's probably worth it on a play like that. But then I saw the replay up on the video board and the replay didn't look like it was incomplete. He just didn't see the right angle, obviously. So if he didn't see any replay, he was going to throw the flag, but he did see one and, and decided not to throw it. So I don't know. 
it was also like four minutes into the football game. And so maybe you're saying, okay, well, I don't want to burn a challenge this early in such an important game where I might need it. You also might need a, ti- a timeout at the tail end of the first half. I-, I don't know what's going through Kyle Shanahan's mind there, but whatever he determined, it was not worth throwing the challenge flag. Then, okay, so we're talking about that that Christian McCaffrey drive that led to the tie game in the second quarter for the 49ers. That's because the referees don't see the punt hit the wire from the camera right above. <laughs> like, okay, so that, that's a botch call too. Uh, the punter sends it clearly. It is a spiral from, from the Philadelphia side. Spiral goes through, and you can see it clearly knuckle off in the middle of its flight, about at the apex of the punt, and it goes out of bounds. There's an unnecessary, unnecessary roughness call. They get an extra 15 yards. That should have been repunted, and the 49ers may not have been able to play from as far ahead as they did on that possession. Like that's a that's a missed call by the referees. So I understand where you're you know you want the Jimmy Ward it's a ticky tack call, but that also may have been why he was able to create a, a chance where he could pick the football. I mean, you know, the I know by the letter of the law, Jordan Mason technically got underneath the the punter the way a defender gets under a three point shooter on a shot. But maybe Stoll actually kind of pushed him into the punter. That kind of stuff is is a 50-50 call. And looking back on it, just because of how much else was going against the 49ers, injuries, other penalties, self-inflicted wounds. I, I get looking at all those things and saying, well, the, the officials just, you know, kind of did us in today. But the reality is they just weren't very good as a crew to me on both sides. Oh, 100%. This was a bad game for the officials. And Kind of put aside who it favored more. If it was a pro Eagles whistle, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I think every point you raised is fair. They were bad calls both ways. And it's it's really hard to try to kind of put your internal biases to the side, which is why I generally dislike talking about officiating, Evan. Uh, I will say, putting all that to the side, it's on the officials to keep a game in check. And yeah. it got nasty at the end. And a lot of that is just how frustrated the Niners are, not necessarily at the whistles, but that their quarterback, both of their quarterbacks in this game got injured and and they had to go into the second half, essentially the entire second half of this game, basically without a quarterback, without anyone on their roster that could throw the ball. Um, so some of that is frustration just in that. But regardless of where the frustration is coming from, Evan, you as an official, it is your job to make sure this does not get ugly and embarrassing and overly physical. And it got that. That the the final scrum towards the end of the game when when Trent Williams body slammed someone, I know there were a lot of Niner fans who were celebrating that. That's a that's an embarrassing look to me. It's disgusting. And you know, it, it's not something that's, you know, physically hurt that Eagles player. Not but you just can't you just can't do that. I mean, they're going to be Niner, Niner, and Niners, their players, the, the organization, the coaches probably don't care what the national perception is, Evan. But nationally, fans, not Niner fans, but fans across the nation will remember this Niners season, not for the incredible run that they just went on, not for the remarkable story that is Brock Purdy. They will remember this team for that final scrum. And they will call them fair or not, Sore losers. They will call them, you know, saying that it was embarrassing and and unnecessary and too flagrant. That's what they're going to remember this Niner team for. It's unfortunate. It fair or foul. It's probably not the most fair thing because this has been a Niners team that has been the opposite of that basically this entire season. But their emotions got the best of them. The officials did not keep this game in check. Um, and unfortunately it, it kind of turns out of control there towards the end. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I would go as, so as far as to say, that's how the team will be remembered, but I don't think it's unfair to say that's how Trent Williams season is going to be remembered towards the tail end. I mean, I love Trent Williams by all accounts. Trent Williams appears to be a great guy, a fantastic individual. He's awesome. I mean, we've had him on 95, seven, the game. He's a great interview. He loves to have fun. He's by all accounts, an amazing teammate. He uplifts people and he literally uplifted Kevon Wallace at the tail end of that (laughs) football game. But Trent Williams, when you wear the captain's crest on your chest, you cannot do that. That is something that a player who is being, you know, 
having their ass kicked the entire game and is fed up with playing. That's what they do. That's a player that says, I don't want to finish this game because of what has happened. And I get it. It was frustrating to watch. I'm sure it was hell of a lot more frustrating to play. You lose your starting quarterback. You lose your fourth string quarterback. You're at the point where you have to bring in the guy who was hurt to hand off the ball because no one else can capably throw the football down the field. And you are having to block every single play, knowing that in the last half of this football game, you are going to lose. He saw the writing on the wall and he took it upon himself to hit the showers early. Some people, some 49ers fans in Philadelphia or around the globe might say, that's our guy. I'm a ride with Trent. You know, he's not going down without a fight. Going down with a fight looks worse than going down without a fight. Trent Williams is a fantastic human being, but that will affect the way I look at him in the future because he looked like a kid that was getting his ass kicked and said, I'm done, I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. And it is unfortunate because it's a reflection of, like you said, the rest of the team. That's not how I will remember this football game. I don't think that's how a lot of people remember this 49ers team. But if someone walks up to you and says, hey, NFC title game, remember that that Trent Williams guy who just like picked up a guy half his size and suplexed him to the ground down 24 when he was getting his ass kicked? You remember that guy? I'll be like, yeah. I do. And that was the lowest moment of Trent Williams' career, potentially, because of how great he's been otherwise. Yeah, I do think um, you do have to say it, it wasn't totally, I don't know if unwarranted is, is the right word. I mean, there was a, a pretty big scrum for quite a while before Trent Williams got in there. and I, Aaron I don't Banks was trying to pull someone out before that. Yes. Aaron Banks did not pick up a player and throw him to the ground. I'm sorry. I, I, is, it, right. is, is Trent Williams doing that to another 300-pound defensive lineman? No, he's doing that to a safety, to a secondary that's half his size. It looked like a kid who is trying to bully someone else that's smaller than him. You're right. I mean, it's a bad look. I'm, I totally agree with you. Um, it's not like it was totally out of the blue. There was a, a big scrum, and it, it looked like there were a couple of members of the Eagles team who – had the hands, I think, on Brandon Ayuk's face mask for an extended period of time, and they weren't letting go. And, and Ayuk obviously was a full participant in it as well. I mean, there were too many players on, on either side to name uh, who were involved in it. But you're right. I mean, if you're Trent Williams, who is one of the faces of this organization, wearing the C on his chest, as you said, uh, you, you just simply can't do it. It's unfortunate. Um I think perhaps more than you that that's how the Niners will be remembered nationally for how they uh, conducted fair. themselves at the end of this game in a game where things didn't go their way. Everyone agrees with that. Um, but there's going to be so many people. I, I can already see it on Twitter and, and everyone interacting with Niner fans in the future saying, well, that was embarrassing what you did at the end of the NFC title game. Act like you've been there before. And by the way, you have been there before. So, uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I really wish we didn't have to talk about it this way because this has been an incredibly fun team and for the most part has been very positive and a beat and haven't done things like that. Uh, but it changed. It changed. And, and I mean, that's part of what happens in Philadelphia as well. You, you expect going into this game. I mean, teams often take on the personality of their city and Philadelphia is kind of that kind of city like to stir things up you know i mean it's, it's the story heading into this game all week we, we knew it was going to be uh tough and all the players have been talking about you got to have a thick skin just fans are gonna yell some crazy things at you you just gotta let it roll right off and on to the next and the players that the eagles players that is relish in that and and they try to you know get under your skin as well and it, it certainly seemed like it worked even though the game was was already uh, decided uh, they were still getting under the Niners' skin, and unfortunately, that they got the Niners to bite back, and that's what happens. Yeah, it look when you get back up against the wall, sometimes maybe not your truest colors show, but part of your colors show, and that's I think what we saw at the tail end of the football game for the 49ers. Uh, 415ers podcast, as always, three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Uh, we'll be giving you an updated schedule come off-season time because, unfortunately, that is what starts for the 49ers. But it's Evan Giddings and Mark Randy with you, as always. Okay, and, and that kind of – I don't want to get to the to the off-season yet, Mark. And I, and I do want to finish out this episode 
on kind of what you touched on in your last statement, which is even though we may disagree about whether the national media or other fan bases are going to look at the 49ers and view them for what happened at the end of the game, as opposed to maybe the first 28 minutes of the football game, as opposed to what happened the first 18 weeks, 19 weeks, 20 weeks of this season, which was borderline miraculous considering where you ended up or on the doorstep of where you ended up just off the top of your head. When I say, what do you remember this season for, or what will come to your mind first when you think about the 2022 San Francisco 49ers football season, you say what? Hmm. It's a good question because I think there are like four distinct options. There's the Trey Lance injury. There's the Christian McCaffrey trade. There's the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, not necessarily right when he went down because it was you were unsure if it was going to be season ending. Um, it, it was the, the announcement that he was out for the season. And then it was the emergence of Brock Purdy. I think just because it was more recent, I think I would probably first thing that pops into my head is Brock Purdy and how he just burst onto the scene out of nowhere. Um, but we've spent all year talking about how this season has taken twists and turns that no one could have expected of. And I think there's like four distinct options that on any other season for any other team would be the number one memory for their season. But the Niners have four of them. So I guess just by default, I'll go with the one that happened most recently, which was the emergence of Brock Purdy. Well, and Brock Purdy still has never lost a football game that he did not finish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, well, I would say I know technically he was in the end in quarterbacking, but uh, I, I'm a I'm I'm a ride with that, that and I and that, I think that's actually going to be a stat that we're going to see thrown up on a lot of national football broadcasts probably. next year. To, to be fair, that that Purdy at the end of the game was not the normal Purdy. That was the Niners' fifth quarterback of the season. That was uh, no right arm Brock Purdy, different than normal Brock Purdy. Yeah, if we I don't know we make fun of like scarecrows and under center but that was, that was about as close to a scarecrow as you could put back there and i really hate that his season had to come to an end like that yeah. it it appeared like you know he just had no option i mean anytime you deal with an elbow injury <laughs> let me put it this way anytime a pitcher in baseball deals with an elbow injury they leave the field they do not come back you generally t- don't tend to hear from them for the rest of the season brock purdy i will give him credit at least knew that he was the only guy that could go out there and do it and at risk of putting himself in further harm's way also did so. So I definitely want to tip my cap to Brock Purdy. And, and like you said, I, I think he's the first thing that that I will remember about this season because I don't really know how he can't be like everything. he th- th- There's a reason why Brock Purdy being in this situation w- was so stupendous and unbelievable and also, you know, probably the reason why a rookie quarterback has never been to the Super Bowl, because whether it be due to injury, whether it be due to, you know, bad play, which I don't think Brock Purdy made or wasn't given a chance to make in this football game, um, something it just it just wasn't meant to be. I mean, that's that's kind of how I was left at the end of the football game, as well as being robbed of a great football game by what went down. Uh, but, yeah, Brock Purdy is the first place the mind goes for sure. On this game specifically, I I know you mentioned something earlier uh, last year's NFC Championship game where you were up in the fourth quarter and you let a lead slip away. Is that more or, or less frustrating? For me, Evan, um, I don't know. Watching this game I in, in this whole season, I feel like this one hurts the most. If you're a 49er fan, because this was, in my opinion, Kyle Shanahan's best team as head coach of the 49ers. And it seemed pretty clear, you know, at least to me. And you saw how the Eagles played. We just spent a lot of this episode talking about the Niners defense and how they did a lot of what they wanted to do through the first half. And the Eagles were aided by some mistake by the Niners on basically every scoring drive that they had. And I'm not taking anything away from them. They were the much better team. They've been the the best team in the NFC all season long. They are a deserving NFC champion, and they'll have a very good shot to win the Super Bowl. But the way that this game played out, Evan, it, it makes me feel like this Niner team, considering the fact that 
they were without their their quarterback in this game, and they still were in it for about a half of football. This seemed like the year. It really felt that way to me. And I know it's wild to say, considering they just lost 31-7 to in the NFC title game, and they had a rookie quarterback out there who was looking to become the first rookie quarterback to ever win a conference championship game. But it felt to me, Evan, like this was the year. And the way that they made the Eagles look for much of this game, if Brock Purdy's healthy, I think the Niners win this game. And I think they have a great chance in the Super Bowl. I know it might sound like sour grapes, but that's how I feel. This was the best team that Kyle Shanahan has had as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. And we talked about some of the major areas the Eagles have an advantage over San Francisco. Covering Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. What did they do in this game? Mooney Ward and Yamador Lenore were really good. Now, I know in the second half, they did not throw the ball much. They they were eager to run the ball, and, and why wouldn't you with a big lead against a team that cannot throw the ball on their side? The Niners were good against the pass in this game. And the Niners neutralized the vaunted Philadelphia offensive line. They got to Jalen Hurts. They didn't sack him, but they made him uncomfortable and made him earn everything. They get one sack. One sack. But I, I, don't, I, I leave this game feeling incredibly frustrated, Evan, because I'm convinced this is the best team the Niners had, and if it weren't for another unfortunate injury to their quarterback, I think there's a very, very, very real chance that they come out of this game with a victory, and, and then who knows what happens in the Super Bowl. And the reason it's so frustrating is because down the road, you never know what might happen. This could prove to be the team's best opportunity to win it all, and, and they might never get back to this stage again. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, but it's possible. It it's it's hard for me to to move past this one because it felt it felt like like their best opportunity. And look, I can absolutely respect that. I, I know that we differed on our preview episode as to who we thought was going to win this football game. I thought Philadelphia would, but obviously not for the reasons that we saw today. I, Philadelphia didn't seem as dominant. I mean, at least to me, right? I mean, were you impressed with what they did? Obviously, I'm I'm not taking away the victory from them, but it, it didn't seem as good as I thought Philadelphia was going to be. No, I'm with you, but I also did think that there was going to be a physicality factor that Philadelphia had not seen this mm-hmm. season, especially in the last month of the regular season similar to how we saw Dallas get the better of San Francisco in the first half last week because San Francisco had played a softened Seattle group the week before I think we saw Philadelphia not be ready for what San Francisco offered partially because they cakewalked their way past New York in the divisional round and I think that San Francisco defensively did punch the Eagles in the mouth in the first half I mean You lose your starting quarterback. I know, I guess, at the time when he fumbled, they didn't know that he was going to be out for the game. But you fumble. They forced three straight punts after Philadelphia was already up seven. So that, to me, is is the San Francisco 49ers saying, yes, we can play on the same field with you guys. We can hang with supposedly the best team in the NFC. And that's where I feel robbed as a fan, is I don't know what was going to happen. You feel confident the Niners could win that game with 100% Purdy? I respect that. I feel confident that the Eagles find a way to win that game with 100% Brock Purdy, and they they find a way in the second half. The fact of the matter is we will never know, and that's what sucks about this football game in the end is because of an injury, because of some mistakes, because of then a second quarterback injury, we were dealt a hand as fans, nevertheless as players on the field, of having to watch a game that was – less interesting than a week three regular season matchup, in my opinion. Like, that's the way I felt watching the second half of this football game. Mark, I stopped taking notes at halftime. Like, like I, I jotted down a couple things. Obviously, the Josh Johnson concussion was big, but 21-7 with the way the last two minutes ended, with the way things were trending, with the way that San Francisco had nothing going, it, like, I, I felt cheated. I felt cheated at the end of the day, and that's not how you want to feel when you have the two best teams, in my opinion, in football going toe-to-toe in a game that determines who goes to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the numbers. The Eagles, 3.8 yards per play. That's 
a gigantic win for the 49ers defense. If you told me coming into the game that the Niners defense would hold the Eagles to 3.8 yards per play, I would tell you the Niners are on their way to the Super Bowl. The Niners, though, 3.6 yards per play. And that's what happens when you don't have a quarterback who can throw the ball. Um, rushing, the Eagles, 3.4 yards per rush. The Niners, 3.4 yards per rush. The fact that the 49ers were able to run the ball as well as the Eagles were able to run the ball when the Eagles knew the only thing the Niners were doing for three and a half quarters in this game was running the ball, that is damn impressive. Now, 3.4 isn't anything to, in a vacuum, be too excited about. But considering everything that happened in this game, Evan, uh, I think the Niners were right there if their quarterback was healthy. And that's what makes this so tough and so difficult to swallow. Now, of course, you, you look beyond the average per play and per rush. There's a gigantic edge because the Eagles ran so many more plays, 70 plays, to the Niners, 45. That's where the three fumbles and the three turnovers come in. The Eagles were three for three on fourth down. They extended. They got, you know, first downs when they needed to. Credit to them. But the Niners were much closer than this final score suggests. And it's unfortunate because, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, this, as we said at the top, and, and as you just said a couple of minutes ago, we got cheated out of, out of a chance to see these two elite teams play against each other at the, at the height of their powers. And uh, we might not have another NFC championship game matchup that equals this billing for a long time. This was supposed to be a matchup to remember. Uh, and I guess it will be remembered, but, but for all the wrong reasons instead. Yeah. I, I think that's a perfect way to put a mark. And I know we're, we're not going to do like a game ball segment at the tail end of this episode. Uh, but I do want to mention the most exciting play of the game, which you alluded to earlier in the episode, and that was Christian McCaffrey's 23-yard oh, touchdown rush. I mean, and that's that that's also the part of this, too. It's like a play like that is something that in any, you know, back and forth football game in the postseason that's between two teams and it's coming down to the wire, like that's a play that's going to be remembered because of how remarkable it was. Christian McCaffrey broke four tackles on that play each in a different way. He hurdles the first defender. <laughs> he cuts around the second defender, and then he bulldozes and bounces off the third and fourth defender en route to a 23-yard scamper. That's a play that you and I might remember. I, I doubt that's a play that 90% of people are going to remember because of what the football game ended up being. Christian McCaffrey's lone score was the lone highlight, but it was the highlight of the game. That might have been the most, I got, I got to run through my mental Rolodex here. That might be the most remarkable touchdown the Niners have scored all season. And I, there's been some, I mean, the Christian McCaffrey trifecta game, his first start in SoFi against the Rams where he ran through uh, and caught a touchdown. Maybe his his receiving touchdown where he went high into the air like a receiver is up on the list. The, but from the only a, other one I can think of would be Debo's Monday Night Football touchdown against the Rams, where he like broke away mm, from Ramsey after high pointing the football. That's it was a like good a sixty one. yard touchdown. But that's about it. Yeah, that's a good one. In, in terms of individual, just pure greatness on display. I think it's the Debo one and that McCaffrey one. Those other McCaffrey ones against the Rams were more so, I don't know, storyline induced because it was his first start. But you're talking about purely the best football play, the best touchdown of the season. I think that's that's certainly up there. That Debo one's a good call as well. So it'll it'll get lost in the shuffle for sure. You're right because of what happened the rest of the game. But that deserved a shout out. I mean, McCaffrey was the Niners offense. They had 164 total yards. Uh, and McCaffrey had 106 of them. So, I mean, no surprise when you go down your quarterback, you're going to give it to your most versatile weapon. And that's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he was, he was incredible. He he certainly deserved better than this. Uh, the good news for the 49ers is they have him under contract for years to come. He'll be back next year. We talked about who knows what the future might hold. What we do know is that Christian McCaffrey will be a 49er for years to come. And that's fantastic news for the 49ers because uh, he was the engine that made them go this season. And uh, it'll probably be more of the same in, in years to come. So good call. He deserves a shout out. And look, 106 yards when number one, the entire defense knows that you're getting the ball. <laughs> and number two, when your quarterback can't throw the football further than five yards after, you know, essentially minute seven of the football game. I know Josh Johnson was, was able to, but uh, unfortunately didn't look up to the task and, 
I, I know people are going to be coming down his road. I don't want that to happen because I think he was just unfairly put into the football game. Oh. And he's he's from Oakland. Shout out Oakland Tech. Shout so out. We, we we do love Josh Johnson. Yeah, no, but, you can't you can't blame him. I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be on a football team. There's a reason why he wasn't, as you said earlier. It's just a yeah. a, a terrible situation. He clearly isn't isn't a good enough quarterback to to expect and to have the weight of the world on his shoulders in an environment in a game like this. Nothing against him. It's just the simple truth. He he shouldn't have been in that situation. The only reason he was because the Niners had three terrible injuries to quarterbacks this season, and uh, we might not see something like that happen ever again. Yeah, and and that'll be something, of course, we'll dig into all off season long. Make sure to stay tuned for four one fivers updates as far as episodes, schedules, planning. We'll continue to be with you throughout the off season, uh, but unfortunately, the regular season and postseason comes to a conclusion for twenty twenty two for the Forty ers So, uh, I, I know this was a lot of fun, Mark. Obviously, you never want it to end. Only one team can win. It felt like in a lot of ways the 49ers were dealt a hand that made it incapable of them winning today, even if they were in the game. Um, but it, this was a great first season. I, I enjoyed doing the 415ers with you each and every week, three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, and I look forward to what continues. Yes, I'm with you. Uh, you said it right, an unfortunate end to the season. I would suggest all Niner fans out there listening who are distraught, who are frustrated, who are upset, who are trying to get this bad taste out of their mouth, remember all the great memories from this season. It was an incredible season. There will never be another like it for just about every down moment. We talked about the injury to Trey Lance, the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. For every down moment, there was a... A, a moment afterwards, an incredible moment to bring you right back up. So remember how incredible this season was. Remember all those all those fun moments because this was a season filled with them. Unfortunately, it ends in the NFC title game, and the Niners are are unable to win their sixth Lombardi Trophy yet again. It's unfortunate. Three NFC title games in four years, and and no Super Bowls. Uh, at the end of the day, it, it's it's difficult. But uh, this was an incredible season, and there were so many more positives than there were negatives, uh, which is saying something because there were a lot of negatives. So there were a ton of positives in this season, and I hope I hope everyone can uh, find solace in the fact that this was a, a really fun year, and, and we're happy that everyone was along in the journey with us here on the 415ers. So thanks so much. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. Please download, rate, subscribe. We, we'll be having uh, content coming your way all off season long. Uh, but for the final time here at NFC title game, we are saying so long. 415ers podcast after the 49ers fall in the NFC championship 31-7 to to the Philadelphia Eagles. Tip of the cap to the Eagles. Tip of the cap to the 49ers for a great season. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.